Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Curtis Birch, host and producer on News Radio 630 WLAP, the home of the Cats, right here in Lexington. And I'm Kyle Tucker of The Athletic, and together Curtis and I are here every day, Monday through Friday, talking to Cats. If it is a big deal to the Big Blue Nation, you can hear it right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. This edition of the show, we are going to talk basketball. It's been a couple days because, uh, well, there's been a bit, there was a big football game, but SEC play revs up for the Caps on Saturday, so we are going to discuss what both coaching staff had to say today, um, including Calipari's take on the NET, aka net rankings, and then we will wrap with um, a little bit of a fo- some football talk because I thought there were some interesting nuggets that came out on social media, but I did want to start out asking you. Kyle about Kenny Payne's press conference and I was driving back from Florida today so I wasn't in attendance live but I was watching the replay and were there just was there like a circus in town or something because I felt like I heard door slamming on a constant loop in the background yeah there was a bunch of uh, other athletes from different sports um, coming in and out of like workouts and stuff from the room behind us oh my gosh. Uh, so it was kind of kind of a mess in there um, I guess they were getting ready for a game tonight, um, the women's basketball team over there at Memorial. Um, if only UK had like a nice press room. Anyway, all right, let's get into what <laughs> Kenny Payne had to say, and then we'll jump to what Coach Calipari had to say. I want to start out and um, uh, with what he had to say about EJ uh, Montgomery. What were your take on his thoughts about EJ uh, needing to figure it out for this team to reach its full potential? Well, him and then, you know, again, more of the Nick Richards train, you know, he said, we don't want him. We need him. And it's interesting because that was kind of their recruiting pitch to EJ Montgomery. You're not a a want, you're a need. But of Nick Richards, you know, he said, Kenny Payne said, we don't want you uh, if we're going to be to come along, if we're going to be a contender, a championship contender, uh, we need him. Uh, And, you know, I guess – I guess I get it. <laughs> I'm not sure I agree necessarily. I mean, it would certainly help. Um, but they continue to try to pull Nick Richards along. And then EJ Montgomery is kind of a different case because he's a really young guy who I know they've seen sort of flashes of. And, and really with him, it's it's the continued um, quest to figure out how best to use him and what, what does he do. Because one of the big themes that has emerged as Kentucky seems to have turned a corner – is and Cal Perry talked about it again today, is defining roles, that he needed to more clearly define roles for guys, give them specific. And then Kenny talked about it's not just tell them this is what you have to do for specifically each guy for us to be successful, but uh, then go work on it with this Camp Cal time that they have with no classes, no, no academic responsibilities, no time limits on how much work they can get. They get one day off a week, and the rest they can go two or three times a day. It's all basketball. So – you know, once you've defined their role, it is uh, specific film work for that, you know, role. Let's watch you in this situation. It's specific drill work for that role. Let's let's rep this out. Um, and and you've seen those roles kind of solidify. Like, it's really obvious. And the one that Kenny Payne brought up that everybody is, you know, identified by now is Ashton Hagens. What is your role? Um, and it is attack offensively, get other guys shots by doing so uh and then you know be i think the word he used today was pest i think it's a lot more than a pest uh defensively that role solidifying just that one role solidifying has also kind of helped 
define other roles because, you know, Kelvin Johnson talked about, you know, him starting to make shots, three-point shots. Some of it started with the confidence that came from making that half-court shot, and I talked to him about that today, that that kind of, in a way, unlocked him. Like, I can make the big shot, and he's been making them ever since. But also Ashton Hagen's driving, drawing attention, kicking out, and all these shots being open shots has helped. Tyler Hero, kind of the same thing. And, and Tyler Hero realizing that while he's trying to figure out his three-point shot, he can succeed by driving and hitting his floater and his pull-up and his you know driving two-hand uh, finishes. Um, you know, all these roles have become are becoming clearer and clearer, but they still don't know what is EJ Montgomery's role. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, you know, I thought that was interesting that, like, is he the missing piece to take them from what was really disappointing to pretty good to real now, I think the last couple of weeks, a really good team to the final step, which is great. And Cal- and, and I thought it was interesting that, that Kenny Payne, I thought, took deliberate steps to repeat the, the phrase championship contender. Or, or, or compete for championships, or I forgot exactly how mm-hmm. he said it, but champ, the word championship kept coming out of his mouth to remind people in some ways maybe, hey, this is, you know, this is a team that they thought could win the national title, and I think the staff believes that that is still true. Um, but I think either, certainly, and, and preferably both, Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery have got to contribute more than they have so far. Uh, and certainly more consistently to take them to that next level. I thought it was interesting, too. He pointed out that in that Louisville game, there was a stretch of time where Richards and Montgomery were on the floor, which allowed Reed Travis and P.J. Washington to get a breather and be fresh, and the lead actually expanded. And so that was good and significant. Mm-hmm. Because if that can happen going forward, he said, like, we're not going to win some some games where, you know, Reed's playing 39 minutes and P.J.'s playing 37. They need to be in the 28 to 32-minute range. And that obviously requires somebody else to come in and play those minutes. So, um, you know, per usual, I thought Kenny Payne was the most revealing, most interesting, most um, thoughtful interview that we've had all season. This for this, I think the second time he's had one of these in place of Cal Perry, and he's just really, really good. You ask, and he gives a long answer. And the the other guy, and you know, to to the kind of wrap up the Montgomery and Richards kind of discussion there. I think that the last point that you made, uh, that Kenny Payne made about, you know, I think he said Reed can't play 38 minutes and PJ can't be playing 35 or they'll get worn down. That's the obvious thing. I mean, you don't, and that's the thing that I think why why you should kind of hold out hope that these roles can work for both Richards or Montgomery is that, you know, you're only looking for 10 to 12 good minutes a game from, from, from them. That's what they really want. And I think that both of those guys have enough talent that they're they're capable of reaching those. The other guy that uh, Kenny Payne mentioned was Tyler Hero, and and what he he said about him being an ex- is becoming an example. And this kind of parallels what Ashton Haggins was saying after the Louisville game, talking about how hard he works in the gym. That's uh, Tyler Hero. I thought that it, are we on are we in the the you know the beginning stages of uh, John Calipari starting to use Tyler Hero as this year's Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Could be, yeah. I mean, could be. I thought that was really interesting. Also, just sort of the candidness, because I asked um, Kenny, you know, about the evolution of Tyler Hero's shot and going from, you know, early in the season where he had 
lost confidence. And Cal Perry's talking about he needs to be ready to shoot and he's got to get it off quicker than he was used to in high school. But when he had the ball in his hand all the time, uh, he, he had to get used to being off the ball and waiting for it and, and being ready for it. And, and there's so much talk about, you know, the speed of the, of the process that I think it sped him up too much. And he looked like he was hurrying and, um, you know, obviously he seemed to put it together in the Louisville game. He hit 10 of 13 shots and I think four of six threes. Um, but Kenny said, you know, he's got five different people telling him how to shoot, you know, his dad and his AAU coach and his high school coach and his personal shooting coach. And he has, he actually has a personal shooting coach. I think this was not a hypothetical. This was, he really has five different people in his ear, you know, uh, telling him how to shoot and he works on it nonstop. He's in there two or three times a day, sometimes gets up thousands of shots in a day. And he said, uh, you know, the shot that you see him practice and the shot we were seeing in games were totally different because he'd get in the game and feel all this pressure to make them. Uh, and it just changed him. But what you're asking about, I think the thing that really impressed a lot of these coaches and Calipari and Kenny Payne and the rest is that he, in that time that he was struggling to shoot from, to make from outside, you know, you saw him drive and score, drive and pull up and make the mid range, mm -hmm. uh, hit floaters. And, you know, they, they talk so much about his anticipation on defense. He's not a great hundred percent of the time defender, but he is a good anticipator. He's a guy who's really good at stepping into passing lanes, deflecting, getting a hand on it, starting a break, you know, a steal on a layup. And he said, you know, look at yourself. You're getting 13 to 15 points a game even when your shot's not falling from the outside. That's a basketball player. And I thought that was a really good quote where he said, you know, we want basketball players here. If you wanted to just be a three-point shooter, you should have gone somewhere else. But that's that's a basketball player, and that is an example to the other guys. And um, I think that's a thing that goes for Jamal Baker, too. And, and we got to talk to him today. And well, let's talk about him in just a minute. But first, yeah. I do need to tell everyone about Sling TV. I know you don't want to watch the game. You need to watch the game. And if you're sick of paying for 20 channels you never use, just so you can see your cats win, Sling TV is the thing for you. You can get ESPN, Pac-12 Network, SEC Network, and a bunch more for just 30 bucks a month. You can stream on your big screen and all your favorite devices. Sling TV gives you the live TV you love, only better. No useless channels, no long-term contracts, no hidden fees, and you can cancel any time. And right now, Locked On listeners can get a seven-day free trial by going to sling.com slash locked on. That's S-L-I-N-G dot com slash locked on. You are Locked On Kentucky. Your daily Kentucky Wildcats podcast. So, what did old uh, Jamarl have to say, Kyle? <laughs> well, yeah, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, and so I just said, "Hey, do you feel like because you came in labeled as a three-point shooter, that the assumption just sort of naturally was that you sucked on defense?" <laughs> and do you think? And do you think that you've surprised people? And he kind of laughed and said, "You know," and, and almost sort of that that knowing grin of like i told you so he said you know i've been saying this for a while now and, and to to his credit he has been he's been telling us as often as we talked to him going back to last year i'm not just a shooter i'm a basketball player i can do a lot of things um you know until you see that you don't know all we know is he you know there there were stats at least to back up the fact that he was a really good three-point shooter in mm -hmm. high school and aau ball and you hear all the all the reports from practices and such that he's making all these shots Nobody's saying Jamal Baker's locking people down. Uh, and I don't think he's a lockdown defender, but, you know, Kenny Payne brought it up. He said, 
even among the coaching staff, the talk was, hey, you know, it's kind of like, hey, maybe he can come in now that he's healthy and hit some shots for us. But the thing that stood out to the staff on watching tape is he's not been a defensive liability and, and that he's playing hard on defense. Um, and, and if we're talking about the, the, you know, and I know the, the addition by subtraction thing makes you uneasy with quite a green and, 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 but this all also sort of supports your counterpoint, which is maybe it's not that losing quite a green is made them so much better. And, and some of the theory is just that they've, they were getting better as a team anyway, but also mm-hmm. that Jamal Baker brings something to the table and he yeah. just happened to come along around the same time. He's a guy who's going to make some threes, open threes, which is one of the biggest things Quaddy Green brought to the table. But he's also six foot four and like a pretty good athlete. Quaddy Green was barely six feet tall and not a great athlete. And that alone, just being a big enough human being to stand in front of bigger two guards and wings gives you some advantage over Quaddy Green uh, defensively and, mm-hmm. and, and an ability to rebound the basketball as a guard. So, um, and I think he can score in other ways other than just shooting threes, Jamal Baker can. So uh, I, I think he's been a a bit of a – certainly a surprise to most of us, I would guess. I think he's been a surprise to the coaching staff, but I don't think he's been a surprise to himself. I mean, he seems like a really confident kid, and, you know, it feels like he knew he could do this if he could just get that knee right. And, you know, and I continue to wonder – is that going to catch up to him at some point? I mean, that knee lingered for so long, but so far so good. I mean, he hasn't, you know, he didn't have his knee iced today and he hasn't ever looked like he was hobbling around and, you know, he's playing some pretty good minutes and everything seems okay. They may be managing in, in practice. I, I need to ask about that at some point. I don't know if they're giving him any days off, but if he stays healthy, um, what a luxury because I, I think they are able to tighten the, 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 regular rotation and and you know Avery Johnson talked about that today the Alabama coach they, they open with Alabama SEC play on Saturday on the road uh I asked him you know, what is different to you from them early in the season in these last couple games and he basically said quite a green left Ashton Hagens took over at point guard and, and is really running the team and now their rotation is shorter and tighter and guys know where their minutes are coming from and so I think what you've got is you've got a tighter rotation, but then you have this luxury player at the end of the bench. You know, when Jamal Baker is your ninth best guy and, he, you know, you don't necessarily owe the guy any minutes, like I think Calipari felt like he did quite a green, you use him when you need him and you use him when it makes sense. But uh, the rest of those guys kind of have a better feel for how much they're going to play and how, how they're going to be used. And it does feel like in that way, the departure of Quad A Green has opened them up a little bit. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I can get on board with that more than just the blanket addition by subtraction, which I think is is a little bit unfair. Um, just when you're trying to say that a player leaving could necessarily improve a team, uh, when you're talking specifically about Quad A Green, um, I do want to move on. Just talk a little bit about Alabama, uh, specifically uh, Kyra Lewis, um, Kenny Payne. Uh, gave just unbelievable praise to him today, saying that he's pretty good and that they know that because they recruited him a little bit. But, <laughs> I mean, obviously that's kind of a little bit of an understatement. Specifically when you consider Lewis is supposed to be in high school right now and what he's doing for Alabama at the point guard position has has made them a solid college basketball team this year. Yeah, they've got a weird profile. They've got two sub-100 losses, but they've beat Wichita State. 
They beat uh, Murray State with Ja Morant. Is that how you say his first name? Close enough. Uh, I think he scored 38. I think he had like 38 and 9 and 5 assists against Alabama, and they still beat him. That, that's a good team. That Murray State team, I think, is around a top 50 team. Um, and they've got, you know, three or four other quality wins in the you know top 75. Um, so they're pretty good, and Kyra Lewis is a big part of it. I mean, you lose Colin Sexton. That's a huge loss, obviously. A couple other key pieces from last year's NCAA tournament team. But Lewis is a guy that I think if they were in a different situation in terms of who they were getting or not getting recruiting, Kentucky would have come a little harder after and I think had a really good shot to get. And he was a guy I ended up paying some attention to because of that uh, you know, brief interest from Kentucky. Very, very fast guy. Um, plays really hard. I think pretty athletic. Um, good finisher. Um you know, I think he'll be a he'll be a fun matchup and challenge for Ashton Hagens probably on Saturday. Another that's going to be one of the most fun parts of SEC play going forward is seeing some of the guys that that Hagens will have the chance to match up against. I mean, that's going to be kind of a, almost a, a nightly, you know, week in and week out thing to watch. And then you know, as they get a little into some other matchups down the road, uh, you know, the the Kentucky power forward duo against you know, Tennessee's big guys and Auburn's big guys uh, is going to be really fun. I, I'm excited for this SEC season. I wrote a piece today for The Athletic kind of setting the stage for that. Where is Kentucky's uh, NCAA tournament profile, how much it's been boosted in just the span of t- uh, two weeks? Uh, and also in relation to, you know, the top teams in the SEC, you know, what their best wins and their losses so far. I put all that together, kind of profiles for the top end of the SEC going into league play. Um, it should be a lot of fun. I mean, I, they're going to play Tennessee twice. They're going to play mm-hmm. Auburn twice. Yeah. They're going to play Mississippi State twice. I've decided um, something, and uh, you know, you know, I've kind of gone back and forth a little bit. I'm a little bit more down on the SEC comparatively to what the preseason hype was with them overall as a conference. But I'll say this: I've, I've determined that Kentucky's SEC schedule is going to be really, really tough because, as you just laid out, they're playing the top teams in conference twice. And John Calipari's joked about that. Um, but that's why I think their 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 run through the conference is going to be difficult. But it could be a positive, as you kind of laid out in your piece today, a little bit because of tournament resumes. You have you have a lot of tough games, but you have a lot of chances to get quality wins. They've got right now. They've got three top sixty wins because that UNCG. Um, win is holding up as a you know top 60 win right now and obviously Louisville and UNC were in the net rankings which is the new NCAA thing they've created to replace the RPI as you kind of evaluate a team's resume going forward they have uh, the, the current top 50 in the net they have 13 games against the top current top 50 and seven against the top 20 um, so there are some huge opportunities and then you've got the you know you've got the Kansas game as well at home um, in the Big 12 SEC Challenge, um, huge opportunities. Tennessee twice, Mississippi State twice, uh, Auburn twice, Florida twice, and I believe Vanderbilt twice. And, and, and Vanderbilt, even without Darius Garland, they still have Simi Shitu. They still have some other really good players. Um, and they, they beat Arizona State without Darius Garland. Um, one at USC with Darius Garland. So um, those games are going to be tough. I mean, they've, they've got, I would say, 10 – or 11 SEC games that are going to be really, really tough out of 18. 
Um, and and there there are probably some I don't think right now are tough that just by the nature of it being Kentucky coming to town, they're going to be tough. Um, so I think you're probably right. I mean, right now I think five or six SEC teams are projected to make the field as opposed to the eight, nine, ten that people were thinking maybe before the season. Some of that's due, due to injuries, you know, the fact that um, that Garland is out at Vanderbilt. I think Vandy is definitely a tournament team if he's there um, and maybe even an SEC contending team. Um, but it's still going to be, I think, a pretty, pretty yeah. difficult road for Kentucky. Yeah, without a doubt. You mentioned the net, and coming up next, we are going to share what John Calipari had to say about that and pass along those few football notes that came out today. This is Locked On Kentucky, your team every day. So, uh, John Calipari seemed, he, he was pretty pretty com- um, confident and happy with the net. Uh, maybe that's just because Kentucky's ranked pretty well in it at this point, Kyle. They're ranked pretty pretty well in, in everything. Uh, they're 12th now in the net. Uh, what was that first one they came out? Were they like 70th or something? Yeah, it was like low. That? It was pretty low. It was 60s, was, I think. But that that first one had so few data points that it was, you know, people were going to inevitably overreact to it. Um, Well, um, what's his what's his face? Nate Silver said that it is the worst ranking system in the history of the whole world. So, I mean, you know, says the guy who blew the presidential (laughs) election. I think which one? Because hasn't he missed on like almost the last four, which is almost impressive. I like Nate and and he's a lot smarter than me. But. (laughs) Uh, let's uh, let's step off the crapping on uh, predict, predicting things. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean they're twelfth in that. They're thirteenth in Kempom. They're thirteenth in the AP poll, and they're fourteenth in the Sagarin rating. So you know everybody's got them right about the same spot right now, right in the range of a four seed if the NCAA tournament was today. And obviously it's not close to today, but um, that's a pretty good spot to be in, given where they were a month ago. Um. And with all all trending arrows in an upward pointing position for for most individual guys and for the team right now, so um, you know, and Calipari mentioned this. He was today when he was asked about it. He was on the the group working group of coaches who were trying to figure this out and, and make the selection process better, and all of whom I think recognize that like almost forty years I think uh, of the RPI, the game has changed a lot in that time that something else needed to take its place. And one of the big points Cal made today, and a lot of people have made, was that people figured out how to quote-unquote game the RPI, how to schedule, you know, creatively so that you weren't necessarily uh, overly challenging yourself, but you were you knew how to work the computers so that your RPI was going to be really high. And as he pointed out, that's how a league would get 10 or 11 teams in the tournament and then only have two of them make it past the first, you know, round. Yeah. Um, you know, reward yourself for losing to a team that's going to go win a bunch of games or beating a team in a bad conference that's going to go win a bunch of games or you know, whatever the case may be, this attempts to take that out of it. Now, it's not a perfect system, and Calipari said it may need to be tweaked, and so fine, let's tweak it. But but I, it, this was this is phase one of um, – and I was up at the NCAA uh, opening week when they were playing in Indianapolis and spent some time um, – talking to some folks at the NCAA headquarters. And um, that was basically a bunch of off the record conversations, just informational to understand. But I think it's, it's uh, okay to say this, that, you know, I think they are open to this being an evolving thing that the net isn't a formula that will never change. 
I think it's it, it is open to hey okay do we need to give more weight to this or that okay this makes sense as long as everybody knows it before the next season going into a season what's important uh, what it values uh, I think that's fine um, this one is more modern because it takes into account efficiencies, offensive and defensive efficiencies. It takes into account margin of victory, but only to a, a certain extent to prevent, you know, coaches from feeling like they have to run up the score after 10 points. It, it cuts off any giving you any extra value for that. So, um, you know, get a decisive victory on the road. You're going to get a bump, um, mm. things like that. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and it, it, it parses out quadrants of wins which are, you know, certain level of ranking of, of teams at home or versus a certain level of teams on the road are, are all qualify as quadrant one and so on and so forth. It's a little bit complicated, but I think it's a better system um, because it takes into account some of the things that modern basketball takes into account. Um, and, you know, I think, too, just the fact that if you look at Kentucky with your eyeballs and you say they're probably in the – the 10 to 15 range uh my eyeballs tell me uh and a bunch of other random computers that weigh different things agree and then this thing spits out 12 that feels about right for Mm -hmm. kentucky i mean there may be some teams that are you look at them and go this is way off but i think over time with more and more data points it will adjust and and again, too, I think this is not going to be the be-all, end-all. Like, the one thing the NCAA made very clear in talking to them uh, before the season, they're not going to just – the committee's not going to sit there with the final uh, net rankings. Um, and what is it, 32 at-large spots they have to fill, uh, whatever it is, 32, 34. Just go through there and say, okay, what are the 34 – what are the top 34 on our list here? Um, available and let's take them. It's not going to go that way, but it is, I think, a way to evaluate a resume. I think more than where the team is ranked in that, you look and say, all right, well, this team's got eight wins against our top 50. This team's got three. We're comparing these two for the last spot or whatever. Uh, it is a, it is a, going to be a tool that is useful and won't be the be-all, end-all. All right, you got to be quick. What's the score in the Kentucky-Bama game on Saturday? Uh, road game. You know, a real road game, not just getting in a bus and riding down the road. Uh, in the league, team with some pretty good players. I think it'll be close. I don't think they lose, but I think it's, uh, you know, Kentucky 74, Bama 67. I'm going Kentucky 80, Bama 75. The two football notes that I was going to read, and Kyle Tucker talks so much about the net ranking that he has no time to respond. One, Vince Mayer tweeted out that eight UK players have been invited to the Combine, and he still expects three more to get invited. And the other note that I think flies in the face of tweeting Kyle Tucker, which is constantly wrong about Keldon Johnson, amongst other things, but uh, Barrett Sally said Eddie Grant is a top top five offensive coordinator in the country. So take that, Tucker. You're wrong again. Where can everybody follow you online, Kyle? Um, not Kyle Tucker, man. <laughs> uh, I'm at Kyle Tucker underscore ATH. I am at Curtis Birch, B-U-R-C-H. Be sure to be following along at Locked on UK. Find us on Facebook. Just search Locked on Kentucky. And then be sure to rate, review, comment, and share with someone else who would enjoy this podcast. Shout out to at Blue 
Dash nine, she said, I listened to three of your podcasts today. It is fun, insightful, loads of info, just an FYI to locked on. Um, I'm in Colorado, 55 year old woman who listens to podcasts. There you go. So, all kinds of demographics out there, Kyle. Thanks to everybody who listens. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. You are locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts locked on. Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea. Anyway. You ready? Yeah, let's knock it out. Is that, what is that jingling? That's my dog's collar. Okay. Uh, all right. Hank, <laughs> <laughs> <Tank>, lay down. <laughs> I was just making sure I wasn't hallucinating. Okay, we're good. All right. All right, cool.